Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome, friends, to another r slash nuclear revenge video. Today, we've got a crazy story involving a wife, kids, and a strained marriage. But first, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our story of the day is I took the kids and got away from my wife. Nobody enjoys high finance, the pressure is astronomical, the hours are long, and quite frankly, it's dull. That's why when my wife fell pregnant with our son, I decided to look for a new career. I wanted to be a part of my son's life and do a fair share as a parent, but that was never going to happen as things stood. Time wasn't too much of an issue, we had enough savings to tie us over whilst I retrained for a new career. So long as we scaled back on the organic chicken and foreign holidays, we'd be fine. What I really wanted to do was work in the police force. The training at Hendon would only take a few months and I'd be fulfilling a dream. However, I was put off by the pay and the unsocial hours, so I had to strike that idea and move on. In the end, I decided that I should put my mathematical talents to use and retrained as a data analyst. I discussed it with my wife Sarah and asked her if she would be okay with the somewhat tighter purse strings. She said she more than understood. The financial sacrifices were more than offset by the ability to be a proper family. I was heartened by her response, though not much surprised. She lived for the chance to have what she'd missed in her early years. You see, my wife had been a care home kid. Her mother had been a teenager squatting in a council flat when she fell pregnant with Sarah and, what's more, an addict. When she was born, Sarah suffered from what's called neonatal abstinence, which is when the baby is exposed to drugs in the womb and subsequently suffers withdrawal. Her mother abandoned her and left her in the state's care, which led to a tumultuous childhood. She drifted to and fro from care home to foster family, never enjoying a sense of stability. It was the common story. She became a dysfunctional teenager whose life started to spin out of control. She got into fights, dabbled in drugs, committed petty crimes. At the 11th hour when she was 16, she found a foster couple who were experienced in dealing with problematic kids. They treated her with a great deal of kindness, patience, and understanding. That couple were my biological parents. I was able to watch as, little by little, Sarah's life started to turn around. Her character changed too. When she first arrived on our doorstep, greasy-haired and sullen, she quickly established herself as the resident hardbutt. You couldn't talk to her, let alone do anything for her. As she settled in and began trusting us though, she opened up and revealed a beautiful personality. She never lost a certain edge, but it ceased to feel standoffish, if you know what I mean. It was when I'd come home from Christmas during my first year of university that something sparked between me and her. We were a little apprehensive about telling my parents, but we needn't have been. They were as understanding as ever. Well, I suppose even though it was a bit more complicated, it wasn't really sibling stuff, was it? We had some great times in those first few years. 
One evening, we had a date night at an Italian restaurant when a large, noisy rabble came bustling through and took up a large table not far from our own. At first, we exchanged looks of trepidation, but in time, found it wasn't nearly so bad. In fact, from our point of view, it was a pretty funny night. A little while after they'd got sat down, a nervous young woman arrived and joined them. As it turns out, it was a first date. The fella had brought along his whole family. Talk about outnumbered. They were an outspoken lot and didn't seem to have any kind of self-awareness. The father of the group started lecturing her about the dangers of the government and warned that the British one would follow America's suit and start killing off people. Then he asked his wife to pull out her iPad and lend it to him. She obliged and, before we all knew it, we were treated to Alex Jones on full volume, saying that the American Air Force had flooded Texas and killed dozens of people. I've met a few people like them before and I don't think they mean any real harm, they're just a bit thick. The first couple of married years leading up to my career change were great too. We were upwardly mobile, had settled into a nice home, and were very fortunate. It was so idyllic that it seemed too good to be true. Our son Tommy was born, and by that point I'd settled into my new career as a data analyst for a recruitment agency. Then my wife fell pregnant again. That complicated matters more than we realized, as the second child was born with moderately severe autism. Between the mortgage, the cost of two kids, and the extra cost of supporting a disabled child, our finances became a whole lot tighter. Amidst the resulting pressure, the hidden secret in our relationship popped out of the darkness. Sarah was an alcoholic. I found a bottle of wine hidden at the bottom of our wardrobe. At the time, I thought it was odd, but didn't think much of it. It was only when I later found two more bottles of hidden alcohol elsewhere that my suspicions were raised. She started flaking out in her commitments, regularly popped paracetamols, and her whole demeanor changed. It was like she didn't care about anything. I spent a couple of weeks figuring out how on earth I was going to address this. My job was made a whole lot easier when, one evening, Sarah came in with sour face. On her way home from work, the police had pulled her over. She told me with an outraged tone that she'd been forced to take a breathalyzer and failed it, insisted that it must be a mistake, that she'd barely had a lick of alcohol and that she felt perfectly in control. They escorted her to the station where she failed another test. She'd been charged with drunk driving. I thought that this was as good a time as any to address the situation. I decided that not sounding judgmental or harsh was the way to go that I needed to be tactful. So after I heard her out, I started with an easy question. Are you okay? Well, she bit my head off. Of course she wasn't, she'd just been humiliated, how could I be so stupid, she said. That wound me up a bit. Here was me trying to show concern and be gentle, and she just hurls insults at me. I lost myself a bit and bluntly asked, why are you hiding booze? She looked at me with indignation. She asked why I was accusing her of drink driving and said that, For the record, she wasn't hiding anything. If there were a bottle or two lurking around, they just got left during tidy-ups. I guffawed, asking how on earth a bottle of brandy could find itself in the cistern during a tidy-up. Her eyes were like daggers after I said that, and then she walked out. I really didn't want to leave her, I loved her more than life itself, but over the next few weeks I felt so stuck. Our discussion had driven our relationship into a wall, and we were trapped there. Any attempts to make amends were shrugged off. 
By this point, I should note that both kids were getting to an age where they were compost mentis, so that was always an extra worry. One evening, when they were staying with my parents, I broached the subject once more. I said, look, I'm not judging, it's just that I care about you. I don't want you to struggle alone. Now it was her turn to laugh. She said that she'd spent most of her formative years alone and did just fine. I asked her what she meant, and she just shrugged that off too. The real turning point came a couple of months down the line. By this point, barely a happy word was exchanged save for when the kids were around, during which times it was all smiles and hugs, through gritted teeth anyway. Sarah's condition was also noticeably further deteriorating. People were beginning to notice something was wrong. We got invited to a dinner party by the parent of one of Tommy's friends. Everything started out quite well, to the point that I was starting to relax. But then, come the main course, Sarah's starting to get carried away with the wine. She starts making inappropriate comments and embarrassing herself. Nobody knew where to put their face, least of all me. I feigned an emergency and got us out of there before she could really turn it into a disaster. The very worst event came a little further down the line though, parents' evening. That night at our children's infant school turned out to be humiliating. Sarah said to bring the kids and that she'd meet me there. She promised me that she'd be sober. When she walked into the classroom, it was immediately clear that she was at least merry. She wasn't there more than two minutes when she started throwing herself at some of the dads, all who looked mortified, and tripped over the chairs before eventually finding her way to us. I was livid. I just wanted to grab and shake her. It wasn't just about me either, it was the kids she'd really let down. As soon as it was over, I got the kids in the car and pulled her aside to discreetly but assertively voice my disgust. She acted like it was no big deal, told me to lighten up. I was ready to wash my hands of her. She didn't come home that evening, and in that moment, still stewing, I didn't really want her to do so. In the wee hours, there was a knock at the door. It was the police. My wife had been in an accident. Was it serious? She was alive but had been taken to the hospital. I got the kids up and drove them to their grandparents, who agreed to look after them whilst I went off to the hospital. When I got there, I found that she looked pretty battered up. She had bruises all over her face. It turned out that she'd broken a couple of ribs but was, despite appearances, mostly fine. Sarah broke when she saw me. She said that she felt so embarrassed and horrible that she would never take us or her life for granted again. Her tears were the most genuine display I'd seen from her in ages. Any lingering frustration melted away. I said that I'd support her. She said that she would get help. When the family learned of the situation, my Aunt Shelley insisted on coming to stay to help out with the kids and around the house. Well, that's just brilliant, I thought. I had nothing against her, really. It's just that she was a batty old mare that had made Anne Whittacombe look like a fetus. She was never the most switched-on person, but old age made a total dope of her. The first evening that she stayed, I slipped into the living room to say I was going to nip out for a bulb, since the one in the hall had blown, when she chimes in and says, Wait a minute. She picked up her handbag, rummaged through it, and pulled out an energy-saving bulb. She waved it at me and said, Would this do? As if being a mobile DIY store was the most normal thing in the world. And yet, that wasn't nearly the most bizarre thing she did. What really brought home my position was when she called me into the kitchen one night to complain about my whisk. I couldn't believe what I saw. It defied belief. 
made half of me want to call the asylum and the other half descend into outrageous laughter. She was standing over the counter holding a bowl of cream and I watched it jiggling as she whisked it. With my wife's purple you-know-what, the absurdity of the situation was evidently lost on her as she banally complained about this modern rubbish. I was sharing a house with an alcoholic invalid and an old woman who used toys as kitchen utensils. How I didn't go crazy, I'll never know. Things did pick up, however, for a while. Sarah healed. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Nicely and showed genuine commitment to keeping off the drink. She steadily but slowly reverted back to the woman and mother that I loved. For the next couple of years, we enjoyed a sunny period. As George Harrison said, though, all things must pass. I knew it was bad news when one of her old friends from her care home days rocked up at our door. I tried to reserve judgment, but it was clear from the off that she was a bad sort. A ratty, skanky sort of woman. She looked every bit as messy and dangerous as she turned out to be. Sarah wanted Jackie to stay for a while, but I didn't really want her around at all. Out of kindness, though, I compromised and said she could stay a couple of nights. Jackie was really grateful. I was such a nice and kind bloke, she said. She told Sarah that she could see why she'd married me. I did Britain proud by giving her that ever-so-polite smile we give to people we don't like. A couple of days turned into a week, a week into two. I tried to politely inquire about her plans. I tried to gently push Sarah into asking her to leave. I didn't want to pressure her too much. I knew that pressure had driven her to booze. But I didn't want that woman around my kids for a moment longer than necessary. More time passed. I saw the warning signs quicker this time. It looked very much like Sarah was back to drinking. I reassured her that if she ever needed a talk, a helping hand, whatever, I was there for her. She smiled innocently and said I was sweet. In the meantime, I went hunting for bottles but came up with nothing. 
she must have gotten much smarter about her hiding places. As it happened though, the truth was much worse. I came home from work late one evening to find my wife and her friend crouched over the coffee table. They were doing lines. I thought of the kids sleeping upstairs and lost my temper. I grabbed Jackie's lank, ugly hair and dragged her out of the house, kicking and screaming. Sarah followed all the while, tugging my jacket and shouting at me. I shoved Jackie onto the ground outside and told her to never set foot here again and that if she did, the police would be called. I grabbed Sarah by the arm and pulled her inside, shut the door, and proceeded to have a loud, nasty argument with her. It was escalating to the point that it risked getting out of hand. But then reason appeared in the form of little Tommy. His big brown eyes were crying from the top of the stairs, and that cut through the anger like a gentle machete. I relived Sarah's denial stage all over again. Yes, she said, I know I have a problem with alcohol, but this is different. She only did a bit now and again for a laugh. She had it completely under control. I said that's what she told herself about the booze. She shook her head. I delivered an ultimatum. Quit the drugs or I'm leaving. Naturally, she countered with, do that and you won't see the kids again. It's clear that she made her decision. Trouble was, she had me over a barrel. Custody was one of those areas where women had a major advantage over men. I couldn't even chance that they'd side with me because of her drink issue as I've seen mothers do much worse and still get custody. So for the time being, I pulled back. She passed out on the sofa, and I went to bed. Sleep was impossible, though. I chastised myself for having cleaned up after them. How careless. I couldn't go on like this, though. She'd gone way too far, doing drugs with children in the house. The children. Every time I thought about them, my blood pressure rose. How could she do it to them? I couldn't, and still can't, understand that. I had to get rid of her one way or another. For the next couple of days, we all fell back into old patterns, playing happy families when the kids were around, not saying a word to each other when they weren't. It occurred to me at work that simply tossing that street rat out probably wouldn't stop Sarah from seeing her. She had an addictive personality after all, and Jackie could provide the fix. I scoured social media to find her but found nothing until I remembered one of the other girls that Sarah used to hang around with as a teenager. Through her profile, I found Jackie's surname, and then I moved on to getting her address. For a few quid, I was able to get it from another website, and so I took note on my phone and left it at that for the time being. There was still a part of me having doubts. I didn't really want to take the kids away from a parent, but how on earth could I navigate the issue otherwise? What really did it for me was a couple of weeks further down the line. I checked the app for our joint savings account and found a few hundred quid had vanished in the interim. That set me on panic mode. If I didn't act soon, we could all be up a creek without a paddle. I took a week off work. Officially, I was going to use the time to get some jobs around the house done. Really though, I wanted to see if Sarah would slip away at any point. She did, thrice, and each time I followed her. She had been honest about each one. They were all mundane tasks. By the time Friday rolled around, I was close to giving up. Then at the 11th hour, almost literally, she went out on the pretense of getting cereal for the morning. I perked up at this because, being pretty late, it was nothing short of odd. I left the kids with a trusted neighbor and got into my car, watching and following far behind as she walked over to the nearest council estate. There? She went to the exact address that I'd noted down weeks earlier. 
I sat in the car for about 10 minutes and then decided to steal a peek. I walked up to the house and through a slit between the curtains, I saw Sarah and that jerk all over each other. I felt sick. There they were in front of the sofa, practically eating each other. I didn't want to look for a moment more than necessary, but I came here for evidence and I'd be darned if I was turning back now. What I needed was on the table though, coke. I got my phone out and took a picture of the scene. It was a sordid, awful photo, but dynamite nonetheless. Everything that she could be doing wrong, she was doing it. I drove to the police station, gave them the address and the photo, and then headed home. After I picked up the kids, I told them to pack their things and transferred all the money from our joint account into my personal one. She wasn't going to fritter away any more money on drugs. Besides, I needed as much money as possible to relocate and to pay potential legal fees. I had no intention of telling Sarah that I'd left or where we'd be going, but I wasn't going too far, just to the next closest town, little more than 15 miles away. There I rented a flat and the following day, I began my application to the family court. In the meantime, Sarah texted and called relentlessly. With her messages climbing from incensed to deranged, she was out of control. The first hearing came just over a month later. My biggest fear was that Sarah might pull a rabbit out of the hat, that she might get herself together and find a golden ticket. I needn't have worried. In fact, I was gobsmacked when she turned up. She was a wreck. Greasy, disheveled hair, dead eyes, and a creased little dress. I had a funny feeling about all that. She must have pulled herself together enough to get legal aid, as she had a very young lawyer backing her. This set the pace for the whole proceedings, thankfully. I wasn't taking any chances though, so when that night I gave Jackie the bums rush came up, I was a bit economical with the truth. I said that Jackie attacked me in a drug-fueled rage, and that's why there was so much fuss when getting her out. I denied pushing the table over and said Sarah had done that in a fit of pique during our subsequent argument. I was going to do anything and everything to stop her from ever getting near the kids again. It worked. I had done enough, or rather Sarah had. Being a lying, cheating addict with anger issues was all it took to persuade the law that she couldn't be trusted with children. I got full custody. After that, my next move was to get a divorce from her. The day I signed the decree absolutely was the second happiest moment of the past year, only second to getting my kids. We stayed in the flat for a couple of years more, and then this year we moved into a nice little semi. The kids transferred to local schools and have subsequently been doing well, and just recently I've met someone new. It's early days, but I feel a connection to her that I've never known before. It's not all peaches and cream though, my parents, kind as they are, refused to wash their hands of Sarah. They said that as far as they were concerned, she was their daughter and they would fight for her. Understandably, this caused tension and issues and meant that I had to refuse to turn up to some family occasions. There was even a short few months where we didn't speak because they were trying to push me into handing over cash to them on Sarah's behalf. I told them no, she's not getting a penny out of me. She broke up our family and put the kids in danger. My parents initially were frustrated by my reaction and told me I was being unfair. I said that was ludicrous, that what she did was unfair. What I did was karma, and if it meant depriving her of coke, if it meant being able to provide for the kids, good. She put them through heck. They relayed to me the soul-crushing familiar cycle I'd lived, and so I had to listen as my parents' hopes would be raised again and again, only to be dashed each time. 
They threw money, love, and support at her, but it amounted to nothing. If anything, she just got worse. I told them time and time again, she'd long since given up. She doesn't want help. Anyone who's been around addiction knows that you can't fight for the addict if the addict won't fight for themselves. Sarah had become a full-blown, unrepentant drug user. She apparently had broadened her horizons, heroin had become her new drug of choice, or it had until her dying body was being transported by ambulance to A&E. She was gone on arrival. It was a heart attack that finished her. An unbelievable thing to happen to a woman in her 30s, but there we go. Dad went to the hospital alone, mom couldn't face it, and told me how dismal she looked. Spotty, gaunt, and wan, or hollowed out to use his phrasing. I didn't go to the funeral. My parents said that the funeral directors had done an admirable job of making her look less of a mess. Said that she almost looked peaceful in the chapel of rest. Almost. Apparently it was a quiet affair. Mom, dad, her old caseworker, and some well-wishers. I remember thinking that poor vicar had a tough job in his hands, having to try and find something nice to say about her. I decided to let the topic sit on the shelf when it came to the kids. They were so young and I didn't want their progress derailed because of that sad excuse for a human being. When they're old enough, when they ask, I'll tell them about it. Until then, I refused to let her poison trickle down into their young lives anymore. To be honest, I'd be happy if I never had to think about her ever again. I feel for OP because I can't imagine feeling like you gave everything you could to this person and multiple times they just go against it and then not only that but cheat on you as well. As painful as the end result was, do you think OP made the right decision by just cutting everything off and leaving them to their own devices? Let me know what you guys think down in the comments. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. If you want to hear another crazy revenge story, make sure to hit that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, though, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.